Have you met anyone who seemed to take great delight in condemning the sin of others? Those who see sinners simply as people to be condemned are as guilty as those that they condemn. Now, like Jesus, we're not supposed to excuse sin, but we should act with love and compassion toward those who need his forgiveness, because we need his forgiveness too. There's an incident in John 8 that highlights this perspective. Here's Stephen Davey with more. In our wisdom journey, we're sailing back into the city of Jerusalem, and it's the Feast of Tabernacles. To say that the Lord's appearance here is is contentious and it's going to be chaotic would be an understatement. Uh, the religious leaders have, have carefully devised a trap for him that, that they consider so clever that there's no way Jesus can get out of it. Now, now, Jesus has just spent the night outside the city walls there on the Mount of Olives. In the morning, he goes back into the city to teach in the temple, and, and by now, uh, this time, a, a crowd has gathered, and it's, it's here that the Pharisees and the scribes spring their trap. They bring before him a woman they've caught committing adultery. They say to Jesus here in John chapter 8 and verse 5, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Well, this is shocking, frankly. They've they've hauled this woman into the temple precinct. They've caught her literally, the scriptures say, in the act of adultery. Uh, They've I guess, pulled this adulterous couple apart, and they've dragged the woman here. The tense of the verb suggests that those who pulled her away are the same ones who are still holding onto her when they arrive here in the temple. Well, now, if you're like me, you might be wondering where the man is. He must have been caught, too. Well, he isn't anywhere in sight, and this leads me to believe he's a part of this plan to entrap Jesus. In fact, John writes here in verse 6, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. So here's the charge. Here's the trap. If Jesus orders her to be stoned to death, he's going to be arrested by the Roman authorities for insurrection. Jewish people could not legally put someone to death without Rome's approval. And if, on the other hand, Jesus says, oh, let her go, well, then he's violating the law of Moses and he's not qualified to be a Messiah. He's not qualified to be teaching uh, the people. So this is, this is a perfect setup. Now, before we jump ahead to the conclusion, I want you to imagine for a moment this woman's situation. She's being used by religious leaders who, frankly, don't care anything about her. She's right now being publicly shamed as everybody in that crowd is standing there gaping at her and whispering and, and pointing. Jesus doesn't say anything to her or anyone else. In fact, verse 6 says, here's what Jesus did. He bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Well, that's odd. He just sort of kneels down and starts scribbling in the dirt. He then stands back up and says here in verse 7, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Well, you can imagine there's a deathly quiet crowd now in the courtyard. 
they weren't expecting this kind of response. You see, Jesus is not dismissing the law of Moses, but by demanding that only an innocent person cast the first stone, he's putting the spotlight on the woman's accusers and their evil motives. And with that, verse 8 says, and once again, once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. By the way, this is the only time in the New Testament that Jesus has ever shown writing something down. In fact, the normal verb for writing, grapho, which gives us our word graphite, that's not used here. Instead, it's a compound word that means to record. This is the same word used in the Greek translation back in the book of Job in chapter 13, verse 26, where it refers to bitter things recorded against Job. So what is Jesus doing here? Well, we can't be certain what he's writing, but I believe he's recording the sins these religious leaders were guilty of in their own private lives. They wanted to trick him. They wanted to expose this woman. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is now exposing them. They didn't realize they were standing in front of God the Son, who knew every sin they'd ever committed. He knows their violations of the law of Moses, and now he's effectively recording it. He's calling them out as he scribbles there, giving an account of their own sin. Reminds me of a time back in elementary school. I remember I had a teacher in fifth grade, and I remember getting into trouble with her in class. Her name was Miss Longnecker, and she had the practice of of writing down my misbehavior and sending the note home with me. And as you can imagine, this happened more than once. (laughs) I was supposed to deliver that note to my parents and have them sign it. That would be proof that I had admitted to them what I'd done in class. Now, of course, I knew I was in deep trouble when I got home. So I really only had two options, defect to the Soviet Union or take my punishment. But then I I thought of a third option. I decided to forge my father's signature. So I got a pen, and I tried to write like my father, you know, with a straight line for the letter K and kind of a curly swoop on the letter D in Keith Davey. I applied every ounce of forging skill that I had, everything I'd learned in cursive writing. And when I finished, well, it didn't look anything like my father's signature. So I got a wet paper towel and I smudged the ink so that it was barely readable. I planned to tell Miss Longnecker that it had fallen into the sink. Well, obviously, I never was a very smart sinner. I was caught, of course, and the punishment was worse than ever. Kind of reminds me of another middle school boy who wanted to skip school, so he called the school office that morning, and the principal happened to answer the telephone. In his lowest voice possible, the boy said, Tommy won't be in school today. And the principal was suspicious and said, well, may I ask who is speaking? After a little pause, the voice replied, this is my father speaking. (laughs) Tommy and I had the same IQ when it came to sin and rebellion. Well, let me tell you, there's something quite ridiculous about these religious leaders standing before the omniscient, all-knowing Son of God and thinking they're going to get away with their own sin. What happens next is humbling, but it's encouraging. Here it is in verse 9. When they heard it, 
they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I want you to imagine this scene with me. The temple is silenced by the disappearance of her accusers. They've slipped away one by one. In the quietness of this moment, there stands, a, I imagine, a somewhat disheveled woman, shoulders stooped in shame, her eyes perhaps filled with fear, maybe tears. Jesus looks at her. She looks up at him and, and whispers in answer to his question and says here in verse 11, no one, Lord. Did you notice that? She calls him Lord. She's seen what he scribbled in the dirt. She's no doubt struck by his omniscience. She knows for herself now, he is the Lord. And Jesus says to her now in verse 11, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, don't misunderstand here. Jesus isn't ignoring her sin. He's actually come to die for her sin. But because of her faith in him now, demonstrated by calling him Lord, he's her Lord, he forgives her on that basis. But Jesus not only forgives her past, he challenges her future. This is no easy forgiveness. This isn't cheap grace. He doesn't say, oh, don't worry about adultery. You know, just try to be a little more careful next time. Oh, no, he says to her, if I am indeed your Lord, stop living a life of adultery. So Jesus gives her a choice this day. Go back to that man, go back to her old life, or begin living a new life as a forgiven woman. And I have to tell you, beloved, we have every reason to believe that her life was changed forever. You know, the same is true for you today if you've placed your faith in Christ. No matter what you've done, the Lord has forgiven your past, your present sin, even your future sin. The Bible says that Jesus canceled the record of debt that stood against you. That record of sin that he could just as easily scribble in the dirt at your feet and mine. Jesus died on the cross to erase that record of sin forever. Well, until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is The Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davey. He's called today's lesson, The Woman Caught in Adultery. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. You can learn more about us if you visit our website, which is wisdomonline.org. Once you go there, you'll be able to access the complete library of Stephen's Bible teaching ministry. Please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app, and then join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.